Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Christmas is uh, all about the future. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, now for Christmas, obviously, uh, what we're missing this year is families coming together. We love that uh, sort of thing uh, when we get to be with people that we love and get to see them and be in the same place. And um, when that happens over years and generations, actually, traditions are formed, aren't they? Uh, And there are certain ways that families have of doing uh, Christmas together. Uh, and actually, that's uh, when perhaps if you were to get married, uh, perhaps one of the maybe one of the first points of realising you don't quite know the person you've married as well as you thought is when it comes to going to theirs for Christmas and uh, then realising that their family has all of these traditions that your family does not have and all of these ways of doing things. Um, so one of the early years of uh, us being married, I remember um, uh, Vic's family, we were there for Christmas and they were just taking forever to open presents. Uh, we, with the kids were little then, and uh, you know, keeping kids happy on Christmas morning before you open presents is um, a near mythical task in its impossibility. Uh, and that's what we were trying to do, trying to keep the kids happy. Where Vic's family were taking forever. It was getting to like three o'clock in the afternoon, and there was still no sense of when opening presents would happen. And it got to the point where I said to Vic, "You need to get hold of this situation." sort this out because I want to open presents and the kids want to open presents. And um, Vicky at that moment realised she had three small children, not two, um, but that this was a situation that needed to resolve. So at my family, the presents are opened in a flurry just after breakfast and it's over in minutes. I mean, it's a storm of uh, wrapping paper, shouting uh, and um, yeah, and, and then it's all over and then we're sat there thinking, what do we do now? Whereas Vic's family takes take hours um, so that, that's what happened that Christmas, but it was a tradition that came out and we got to see uh, those. But actually, uh, Christmas isn't just about looking back and thinking about how things have always been done and maybe even trying to recreate the Christmas you had as a child for new families or whatever. Actually, Christmas is about looking forwards. Uh, and perhaps we think about doing that more at New Year. You think about New Year and your New Year's resolutions and all of that. But actually, Christmas is about looking forward. It is the celebration of the arrival of a king, of the king's birth, isn't it? Of the beginning of their new kingdom. It's the it's a statement that says from this point forward, things are going to be very, very different. So Christmas is about why we should look forward. It actually isn't about tradition, about dwelling on the past, uh, about old uh, old ways of doing things and, and that sort of thing. So uh, we're going to look at Acts uh, 1 today. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles Go with me to Acts 1 verses 6 to 11 and we will uh, just have a look at a few verses there and see how Christmas actually is about the future. So let's read Uh, Acts 1 verses 6 says, So when they had come together, they asked him, this they asked, disciples asked Jesus, Lords, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, look, it's not for you to know times or the season that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from into from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So a few weeks back uh, we looked at the incarnation so God's arrival on earth in flesh form as Jesus and then last week Tom looked at how uh, Jesus is always with us and this week we're going to think about how Jesus will return to us. So that's Christmas past, Christmas present and now Christmas future. And this idea of Jesus returning is a little bit, perhaps a little bit abstract. We don't quite know how he will return, when it will happen. And the Bible gives kind of hints and clues as to what we are to think about. But there is no kind of roadmap to, to Jesus. It isn't kind of in, in New Testament. It says on this day, Jesus will return exactly like this. And it, because it's quite a big concept, it's a bit easy to switch off to this stuff. Uh, because maybe it's it's quite hard to understand. We just think, oh, okay, well, we'll just not think about it. That's the easiest way. However, there is a call here uh, that should affect our whole lives to think about the future in this way. Uh, and as we read this passage in Acts, it is a moment, a big moment, actually, of of vision for the future and of patience as well. And the passage ends with a promise, doesn't it? These uh, two men in white saying, look, Jesus is going to come back. He's coming back. This is what's going to happen. Now, these men, most likely angels, explain to the disciples, look, the, the same way you saw him go up, that's how he's going to come down. And they don't mean, look, you 11 need to be here on this hillside, this physical hillside, and then you will see Jesus come down and that is how it's going to happen. That, that isn't really what was meant. Uh, if you go to Revelation, in Revelation it says, uh, he, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. So really what we know about Jesus return is it will be visible. We will be able to see it. Uh, and some people are trying to paint a picture of a spiritual return where we think there's a change in the atmosphere. So Jesus might be here in some spiritual form or even a theological change or, or an idea or something like that. But Jesus will, in his body, will physically return. We will get to see it happen. Uh, and that will be an amazing moment. We're not told when. And we are being pointed forward, though, to this big moment to a point in time, an event, okay, an actual moment in the future when Jesus will complete his work. He will restore all things. And in this, there is a call for us to wait for the future. That was kind of the call for the disciples that were stood there on that hillside, staring up into the sky. Just, you can imagine the, the cloudiness of their brains, how baffled they would have been. But there is a call for the future and a call to wait as well. Now, as you've seen from my uh, story of uh, opening presents at Christmas, I'm, I'm garbage at waiting for stuff. Absolutely hate waiting. And the year of COVID is the year of excessive waiting, isn't it? And uh, I'm just terrible at it. Um, but as followers of Jesus, 
we are called to wait. It's a big part of what we believe is waiting. Uh, and we are to wait in a certain way. Okay, so how do we wait? Well, firstly, we wait with trust, not fear. So in verses six and eight there, it talks about how they come together. They're standing on the side of the hill and they ask, look, how will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, Jesus? And he says, look, it's not for you to know the times or seasons the father has fixed. It says, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit and you'll go to Jerusalem, then out to Judea, then out to Samaria and then out to the ends of the earth. Okay, so the disciples are are question. Their question here is an important one. It kind of shows they are still struggling to grasp what has happened to Jesus and what they are even what's going on right now. It's a struggle for them. Okay, And it's easy for us to look back now and say, well, they should have caught on. But actually, they had walked with Jesus through Israel for three years. They'd seen incredible miracles where Jesus bent and broke the laws of nature and physics and biology. And they'd heard world changing teaching, like incredible teaching. Now we think about our favorite preachers that we might have, whoever they might be. But in 2000 years, nobody will have heard any of them. But Jesus, we're still talking about his teaching. It still impacts our hearts even now. And they heard this firsthand. They'd also squabbled amongst themselves. They'd become friends with Jesus. They were a little band of brothers together. And then they had seen him set up. They'd seen him betrayed, brutally murdered, and then come back from the dead. They had seen all of this, uh, which is a lot to take in. I'm sure you'll agree. It was would have been quite a moment um, to have processed this all. And now he's going up into the sky. And so they're thinking, will he truly become the king of Israel? And Jesus says, actually, it's not for you to know. Now, they are talking to Jesus at the moment. They're effectively praying. OK, and how is that for an answer to prayer? We don't like to talk about that particular answer to prayer, do we? But the answer to this prayer is it's not for you to know at the moment. Maybe if ever, it's not for you to know. Now, I often find myself praying, as I'm sure you do, I pray for loads of different things, maybe praying for when will people, more people become Christians? Uh, when will this suffering end? When will this particular thing happen? Why is that thing happening? Why, why is all of this happening? When are you going to change this, Lord God? And sometimes the answer is, you're never going to know. And I'm not going to tell you. It's not for you to know. And in that moment, we can go two ways. We can feel helpless. But actually, that isn't what God is after here. We aren't meant to feel hopeless. We aren't left with a fear of the unknown. Does Jesus just leave us hanging there? No, actually, he doesn't. And he doesn't leave his disciples hanging. Actually, he gives them instruction, very clear instruction. He says, look, you are to wait for power. Okay? And this power will drive you into your purpose. And he explains what the purpose is, doesn't he? In that sense, you'll be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. That is what their purpose will be. And this power is the person of the Holy Spirit. And a funny way, Jesus is saying, look, it's not for you to know, but you've got to trust me because soon you're going to understand what you are meant to do and that's true for us as we live our lives as we work as we have family life as we have our friendships um, in good times that we have and in bad times that we have we wait for Jesus and we don't wait with hopelessness and helplessness we don't wait in fear actually we trust in his promise look power is there for you the holy spirit is there for you to help you 
fulfill your purpose. And we believe that is true. So we wait with trust, not fear. We also wait with hope, but not speculation. And that you can imagine them. They stood there. Verse nine. And he said these things. And as they were looking, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And you can imagine their, their questions that would have been firing in their heads at that moment. Perhaps they would have said to each other, is he coming back down? What? Where did he go? How long do you think this is going to take? All sorts of stuff. And there is often speculation around the return of Jesus. Um, often it's very unhelpful. Um, there was a, a pastor about five or six years ago who put a date on. This is the date. And they threw loads of money at advertising. This is the date of the return of Jesus. And obviously he didn't uh, come back at that moment. And uh, they, uh, and that's actually a pretty common uh, thing to happen throughout history, that people would put together their, their kind of theory and construct a date when Jesus will return. And it's never accurate. But that doesn't mean we should forget about it and dismiss it and not look for it. We are actually to hope for Jesus' return. We are to live with that possibility in mind. And, and Jesus gave those instructions, didn't he, that he gave to the disciples and then he left. And it's easy to concentrate on the leaving and the hopes for return and to forget the instruction. And you think, actually, perhaps when people are constructing these dates and these ideas, it's because they don't want to think about, actually, this is what Jesus has called us to do, this purpose to live out. We, we want to get to the end. And the point was, actually, this is your purpose, to be witnesses. Uh, we wait with hope by doing what we were called to do, to live for Jesus, to be his representative, his witness, wherever we find ourselves. I wonder if actually whoever wrote Hebrews, uh, particularly Hebrews 11, had this in mind. I wonder if he had this actual moment kind of in the back of his head. He'd, he'd heard about it, um, this idea that at one point Jesus was physically in front of them and then he ascended to heaven and was gone. I wonder if when he wrote this, when he said, uh, um, uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Well, they'd gone from being a siege to Jesus not being there, being gone. And so this group of confused disciples, battered and bruised. Remember, there was 11, not 12, because one of them was the betrayer. Uh, and they were also staring, standing there staring at the sky. But they can no longer see Jesus. They were then living their lives as we live our lives now. We, we don't get to see Jesus. They are now living by that faith that is described in Hebrews. The conviction of things not seen. And that's how we live. We don't get to see Jesus, but we do get to wait. We do get to wait with the conviction of things that we can't see. And there is a trust there. So we wait with hope, but not speculation. And finally, we wait looking to the future, not the past. And verse 10 said they were gazing into heaven. And then these two people appear, these two men all wearing white, clearly massive kind of angel uh, hint there wearing white saying men of Galilee why do you stand looking into heaven and this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven so waiting actually waiting can be really very unprofitable and purposeless if we wait in the wrong way if we wait badly it can be very bad for us it's like waiting for a particular bus at the wrong bus stop that is pointless waiting 
And these disciples are, are staring at the sky. They are trying to spot Jesus. And as they are doing this, they are almost detached from the reality of life and the world, aren't they? They're, 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 their eyes are not on what their call is. Their eyes are not on their purpose. Their eyes are just scared, staring into the skies, waiting for something. And what brings their attention back to earth? What brings their attention back to their purpose and to the true meaning of what they are meant to do? Well, actually, it's angels. And we always kind of think of angels as the things in the sky, like up there at the stars. And they become these very kind of legendary and mythical uh, creatures, these heavenly beings that are detached entirely from the world and our reality. Well, actually, they're the ones that say, look, you should probably stop staring into the sky now. Why are you why are you looking up there? There's something now for you to be getting on with. Our perspective is to be future focused. And that future is what Jesus lays out for us to do. That future is the purpose that he gives us, the identity that he gives us. Actually, he says you are to be witnesses. This, this is who you are. You may think you have all sorts of claims to all sorts of other identities and ways of living and things that you say about yourself. But the first one is you're a witness. You represent me now when you go back to Jerusalem. Then you're going to go a bit further out to Judea, then further out again to Samaria. And then you go further out to the ends of the earth, to places that no, they didn't have heard of yet. But Gorton and Denton and Levensheim, all of these places at the ends of the earth. And that is their call there in that moment. That is their identity to be that thing. And actually, we are called to live this faith grounded in reality, in now, in taking one step in front of the other, in going towards this future, but living it out now. And again, I wonder if the author of Hebrews had this in mind. In chapter 10 of Hebrews, he says, look, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he's saying, look, the, the day is drawing near. You are focused on the future. But how do you do that? Well, you, you keep with your hope. You stir one another up to, to love each other and to do good works because that's one of the ways that the world gets to see that you are different. You don't neglect to meet together. So sometimes we, we lose hope, we lose our, our focus on the future and then things like being there on a Sunday become less important. You think, well, it's just, it's just a routine, it's just a tradition, it's what Christians do. It doesn't mean anything really. <clears throat> it doesn't matter if we meet together. Actually, it really does it's a little statement of this is our kingdom community and we are looking towards this day this event in the future when our savior Jesus will return when the king will return back to us and we're going to encourage each other and uh, stir each other up to good works and love and that is something of actually this is grounded in reality this is the real life of uh, living where we do with the family that we have, the jobs that we have, the, the, all the different relationships, the sense of call that we have, all of this is placed and is important. So Christmas is all about waiting. And perhaps we feel that slightly more this year than we have in the past. 
Uh, perhaps now we're understanding what it means to wait as those of us who thought we could have a certain way of Christmas actually realise Christmas is going to be very different this year. And many people think, OK, well, Christmas next year will be better. We're waiting for that. But actually, Christmas is always about waiting. It's always about pointing forward. Actually, this king who was born as a baby, actually, uh, he's going to have huge impacts on the world around us, which we see today. And then we are also waiting for him to return to us. Uh, we also wait for the Holy Spirit to come to us, uh, to give us power to live out our vocation and our purpose. Christmas is about waiting. So if any of the kids have tuned in and are listening, uh, and first of all, well done. Um, and if you are just, when you are on Christmas Day and it's exciting and there are presents, um, please enjoy it, first of all. It's meant to be enjoyed. Never feel guilty about that stuff. It's good fun. But equally, just for a moment, think, actually, this is about waiting. This is about waiting for Jesus to return. This isn't just about one day a year tradition. We always do things this way. That's why we do them. Actually, this is about our future. This is about the future of creation.